Etienne is with us today and uh, on the Not Your 9 to 5. Um, thanks for the in- inviting him. Etienne, thanks for, Etienne, thanks for uh, joining us tonight and uh, having some drinks and just kind of chilling out. Just uh, want to get to know you a little bit better and what uh, what you're passionate about. That's the whole um, reason for doing this podcast. So, uh, Dave, you want to give a more formal introduction? Sure. Uh, Etienne is a, a friend of mine. Um, we currently work in the same department for the 9 to 5 now. Um, prior to that, he worked in a department I used to run, and I stole him from my pro- employer prior to that. So, short, short version and the boring bits. You're a thief. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Um, I'm honored to be here. This is actually the uh, first podcast I've participated in. As uh, you guys have already mentioned, my name is Etienne Michael Rosary. I uh, originally come from Cleveland, Ohio. Moved to Columbus at the age of 15 uh, due to all the fun family machinations that can happen. Yay. <laughs> it's a better uh, city anyways. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <clears throat> um. I, I still have a love for Cleveland now. Yeah. Parentage-wise, my mother is uh, Romanian and uh, mixed, African-American mixed. My father uh, hails from the island country of St. Lucia in the uh, Southern Caribbean. Uh, he moved to the United States uh, to uh, register as a ar- member of the Army and Armed Forces. Uh, he actually has a very special story. Uh, he was the first... A heavy machine gunner in the 1st Air Cavalry. Uh, in his division, uh, to this day, he and his sergeant are the only ones that are alive. Wow. Um, as many of us are familiar with, uh, this, the struggles that the soldiers have gone through uh, from the, the chemical exposure mm-hmm. to just the uh, uncared for and undocumented um, PTSD disorders yeah. um, and the other um, ailments that can come from being an active uh, soldier and then a veteran, uh, many of the gentlemen that he was in his uh, unit with uh, died from cancer, of all things. Really? Yes. Um, he was... So what, what kind of chemicals? Uh, so he was exposed to Agent Orange okay. and other things that he's he suspects uh, were not Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, a little bit about his background and how he he dealt with it. Uh, while he was active and in the field, uh, he would utilize t-shirts or any kind of fabric that he could have, and he would dunk them in water, river water, and basically wrap them around his face as deterrent or wow. makeshift gas mask. Yeah. And at the time, you know, you got the testosterone going, you got the the adrenaline of the situational uh, the situation that they're in. And a lot of the guys would kind of pick on him, and he kind of remembers that they would pick on him. And his name is Cosmos, which is not a usual name. So they would call him Cosmos and abuse his name and, you know, pick on him for being the guy with the towel wrapped around his head, wrapped around (laughs) his face. But he knew that the chemicals were going to adversely affect everyone. And, he, you know, he tried his best to help these guys. But unfortunately, once they were discharged later in life, things happened that weren't so great. Yeah. Um, during his active duty, uh, at one point, uh, he was just a, uh, rifleman, uh, but unfortunately the heavy machine gunner, uh, went down and he was in charge, uh, at that point of being the point. So he was first man in last man out. Um, and 
other than a few casualties, he made sure that his unit was protected and safe. Did you know when you were growing up and and did he tell you the stories of of stuff or was he like the quiet type and like like doesn't really want to talk about it? So dad's a very uh independent individual. He's a very uh, he, he's a gentleman that keeps to himself. Mm-hmm. He's he's very closed off. Yeah, uh, he's not one to express emotions deeply or uh, openly. Yeah. Um. So growing up, it was more the working dad, occasional kiss on the head, pat on the back gotcha. kind of dad. Uh, rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, wake up at five thirty, six o'clock on the weekends. Help him around the house. Help him kind of do the things that. Um, there's a saying <laughs> that many of us have heard that you can take the guy out the country, but you can never take the country out yeah. the guy. You can take the guy out the hood, but you can never take the hood out the guy. Yep. You can take the man off the island, but you can't always take the island out of the man. Yeah. And he still lives very much like he is on that island. Okay. So growing up young, it was more of a, uh, what we would, what we would, uh, compare to a country lifestyle. Okay. Waking up. At the crack of dawn, uh, tending to the garden, tending to the flower garden, mm-hmm. tending to the cars or vehicles or um, working around the neighborhood to make extra money. Um, he worked for the he works for the uh, post. He excuse me. He retired from the <laughs> post office. OK, uh, but he also believed in utilizing himself to the fullest in, in whatever capacity. Uh, he was a locksmith. Uh, he is a woodworker. Uh, he, of course, has. The backyard mechanic car skills. (laughs) So he taught me well. Um, You know, he passed a lot of that on to me. Um, But you know, growing up, it was it was that go go go. There's always something to do. There's always a way to be industrious and improve Mm -hmm. yourself or to improve your situation. Yeah. Um. So he's he's a hero in my eyes. That's awesome. Uh, He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. You know, we're guys. (laughs) We we've got our quirks, but (laughs) yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. So my dad was the best man at my wedding. And we're, like, super close, so I love to hear stories about, you know, sons and their fathers, like, having yeah. a real true bond, and it sounds like you and your dad do. Yeah, and it's grown. It's grown. It took me till I was probably in my mid-30s, early to mid-30s, to understand who he is. Okay. Um, And that was, it was painful. You know, you're a kid, and you want your dad there. Uh, you're in college, and you, 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 you meet all these benchmarks in life. Yeah. And you expect, like, that emotional... Uh, camaraderie and that that support and it wasn't there so i i got kind of calloused about life and got calloused about uh, my relationship with him and it took till i was almost 30 to kind of latch on to who he was and then the you know subsequent health issues that came later in life as he got older Mm -hmm. and to kind of tune into his world and at that point uh, it was more of a uh, a a realization that this was going to work for us. Dude, it sounds I... like you're going to have to write a book. <laughs> no joke. Like it sounds like a really like unique relationship. Yeah, and, and like definitely, just a it's a it's a whole learning. I mean, you learn you, you were basically learning about your dad more than what you like saw when you were growing up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is really cool. Very much so. Very much so. Um, a lot of people wouldn't take time to do that. They would just be like, oh, you know what? Dad was, he's, he wasn't the hug me, love me type guy. And wear that as a badge. 
people do that. They, yeah. They'll just wear it as a badge. Yeah. Uh, if it's a if it's a, a damaged mark, or yeah. you know, or or what they view as their uh, their accomplishment. I well, I overcome not having a dad, or mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's uh, that's that's kind of the human nature behind it. Yeah. Um. So how did that? So so how did that relationship? rub off on you i mean he came from a different culture he came from a different i'm sure you've taken many trips back there um a few, guess. a few okay mm-hmm. so did it did it seem like home when you went back or did it seem like like all these lessons that you learned from your dad and all these things did you see that when you went to saint lucia so uh, interesting you bring that up um to further solidify and kind of um grow the relationship that my father and I now have. Okay. Uh, in August of 2017, we went to St. Lucia together. That's awesome. Uh, that was the first time I had been to the island since I was uh, 12 years old, and I am 42 now. Okay. So that's that's a heck of a gap of time. Uh, my father comes from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. Uh, his father <coughs> also had a second family of 12 children in England. So I have... Uh, split family <laughs> across the globe. Yeah. Um, when we went down to St. Lucia, I, beyond the excitement, it was uh, kind of an awakening. I, I almost want to call it. Um, there's something, something spiritual about it. And I, you hear people say it and, you know, you see TV shows and you see movies and the lifetime movie of the week. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> But there's like there's all these references to the the spiritual journeys individuals go on, and you know the soul searching and all those intrinsic things that people try to experience or do experience and, and illustrate. But I never had one of those moments for myself, so I was a little bit of a skeptic. Like you know, life is life, beauty is beauty, right? You know, and I kind of look at things for face value. On occasion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you you understand the basics of life. You understand the, the basics of what beauty is and, and nature and, and the trees and the birds and, and what we have here on our planet. But what I took for granted was being with my ancillary family members mm-hmm. and not being in tune to my f- aunties and uncles and my father's immediate uh, cousins and all these people that I had no idea that I had an idea existed, but I had no idea of the relationship and the bond that I familially had with them Mm -hmm. and the way in which they embrace family. So grew up in America as a child. I went to St. Lucia as a man. I returned to St. Lucia Mm -hmm. and I became intimately familiar with the island upon arrival. Uh, actually, before I even went on the trip, um, I'm kind of a tinkerer and a nerd, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess you'd say. So I, I did my research, right? Yeah. So I, I you know, I, I mapped out the whole island. I mapped out the places that I knew my relatives lived. I tried to recall those memories as a 12-year-old child um, and the places that I walked within the towns that I had been there. And, of course... As time moves on, things change. Oh, yeah. Buildings, homes. Especially St. Lucia. It's changed a lot. Yes. Yes. And it, it has changed a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I tried to, to, to rekindle all of those feelings and all of those thoughts within myself. 
But when I landed and I fell into the arms of the family and we had our first meals together and we went around the island visiting other relatives, it definitely became something spiritual. And I had many moments where I was by myself and I'm looking out on this beautiful landscape and I'm feeling, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I became overwhelmed with emotion and warmth. There was, there was nothing bad about it at all. And it was one of the deepest, warmest feelings that I had ever felt. Hmm. So when you ask. It's almost like a buildup. It like is. Of all this like research that you did, the trying to recall memories, having the stories from your family, your dad, all that stuff. And then actually just getting there and seeing it and just being in like just submerged into the culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's, that's pretty deep. And would get emotional. Yes, definitely. Get that man a man of puppers. <laughs> a what? A, a puppers. 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 That's the beer in Letterkenny. It's Canadian brew. It's oh, really? Can, it's Canadian lager. Really? And there's a picture of a dog on the bottle, and the tagline is, who's a good beer? You're a good beer. Oh, that's great. Uh, Canadian lager, I'm, I'm more of a moose head. Moose head's like, not bad. I like moose head. Yep. But I'm um, more liquor than anything. But anyways, I digress. Yep, no problem. Um... So yes, it was definitely spiritual. It definitely was. Uh, I have on the island, well, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try to calculate. So the island itself is about uh, 300 square miles. Mm-hmm. And there are between 160,000 and 180,000 um, in population-wise. Uh, of that 180,000... I think it's fair to say that probably about a hundred thousand of them are my family. Seriously, get out of town. Seriously, it's amazing. So, um, a little bit more about the island. Uh, initially, uh, it was contested between England and France. Uh, they fought fourteen years for the island, uh, changing um, allegiances from one or the other throughout. The 14-year war. Now, what time period are we talking about here? So, this would be uh, <laughs> the late 17th, early 18th century. Okay. Um, finally, in 1814, uh, the island finally seceded to the UK. France said, hey, you know what? It's too expensive for all this naval <laughs> battles halfway around the world. <laughs> we just can't invest the money in that. And they said, England, you got it. So... Uh, after that, uh, there was uh, still it was still a major port, uh, Castries, the capital of the island, uh, natural port. Uh, they built it up, and there was still um, the human economic slave trade. Mm-hmm. So you had that that was actually going through the Caribbean and going through the West Indies up to the Americas, down to the Americas. Um, that uh, was abolished. Uh, sometime around the late eighteen, the late eighteen hundreds. Okay. Um, but plantations still existed. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my family history is that there were, after the island seceded to the UK, there were three main families that came to the island. Uh, one 
possibly was Italian. One was from Corsica and one was from France. So you had a blend of um, an economic base from all over Europe. And I believe my family line, uh, from what I've researched thus far, comes from the Corsican side uh, of the, the people that came to the island. Yep. Um, the settlers. Uh, so one of the darker uh, pieces of my family history that isn't really talked about and is very difficult to trace, but is something that personally I feel um, should be talked about. And I've spoken with my uncle, uh, my father's older brother, about this, and he feels the same way about it. And unfortunately, it's not a, a positive uh, story to tell, but it's a piece of history that should never be lost, mm -hmm. uh, that identity. Um, apparently, part of my family were actually slave owners okay. and kept plantations. So they become they became part of the economic base. People have to think, though, like, like I know this is a big deal for people to talk about, but back back in those days, as bad as it was, it was not, I mean, it was part of the norm. It right? was. You know, it was part it of the was. norm. So it's not like it was, uh, and, and even if you go back in history books, there were even, you know, plantation owners that treated the people that worked there extremely well sure there was there was a full range i mean exactly much like there is today in society you have a full range you have the extreme well let's just say the extreme right and the extreme left yeah okay so there's extremes to all conditions and all parts of life yep and that's just one of the economic bases that unfortunately relied laid that relied on humans but had extremes and you had to tell the those stories too you know like right. you have to continue to to you know it's it's as bad as it was to to own people right it was just part of the norm it was part of what happened right exactly yeah. and and it's throughout history yeah it's throughout history um that unfortunately is just a dark part of human nature um people will even say i think eventually one day you know, the nine to five working nine to five, that company owns us. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot different. I understand that sure. than it was then, but it's still a form of, in, in my opinion, uh, a, a slavery almost. Yeah, it's you do all, what you got to do indentured. to survive and live. We all, we all have phones and email at home for work. Yep. They're yeah. just digital leashes. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's, 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 a, it's, you're indentured. Yep. <laughs> you're for indentured sure. to the company. Anyways, sorry. I, no, I, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, this is all very relevant. Um, so, on the positive side of it, when slavery was officially abolished and within the country, um, they did it, I believe, early 1960s. Uh, so, they were actually, correction, they did it before the United States abolished slavery. So, they no longer required the individuals who resided, the uh, air quotes here, slaves, to labor for the farms or plantations, but they were now able to labor as employees yeah, of the farms. It's a choice. And the, uh, my ancestors at the time actually gave them the plots of land under which they lived. Uh -huh. So another part of my spiritual journey, uh, I met a cousin down there. Um, who shares a common bond with me. Uh, we're both in the, uh, the same fraternity together. And, you know, we spent some time sipping some 
extremely uh, smooth rum. Um, and just, you know, guy stuff, telling lies, telling stories, catching up, yeah. you know, bonding. Yeah. And I took a moment and there was a, a, a very soft rain that evening. Um, St. Lucia in the very center of the island has a beautiful rainforest and it, it generates these pop-up storms that are some of the most beautiful storms. It's kind of it's kind of hard to illustrate it like that, but right. they're they they serve a purpose. the The land is actually taking care of itself. Mm -hmm. So um, these well, storms, very green, yeah, yeah, it's very very, very green. yeah, very green there. Um, so you know we're we're out there and there's this you know it, it's humid and there's this very light rain and you you can hear all the sounds of nature. Uh, he has a a rather large home. Uh, which is essentially on stilts, uh -huh. and then he has a uh, the lower level is has a home. Um, then the upper level has a porch that surrounds wraps around the entire home, and we're sitting out on the porch and we're looking out on this bay uh, that he lives uh, near, and at the bottom of the hill from where his home is, you see all the lights of the villagers, and you see all the lights of the the, the village be below the hill at the bottom of the hill and essentially those are the ancestors of the individuals that were slaves yeah. and that is the land that my family my ancestors said you can now live here yeah. you now own this part of the spiritual piece of this that i experienced was upon my return to the united states uh you the, were like i want to go back to st current <laughs> so you know in a nutshell <laughs> We could leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> um, but upon my return, uh, we had just uh, gone into, well, we we're in the middle of our first term of the new political cycle. And there was. Is that what we're calling There was oh, a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the governance of America yeah, in yeah. whatever fashion. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was an incident, uh, so help me refresh my memory here. Uh, there was a nutcase, uh, that ran over some individuals that were protesting something or another regarding political something or another. Here in the U.S.? Here in the U.S. Uh, the guy drove through a crowd of people, hit a couple individuals. Christ, it was happened in, so many times in the past two years. Yeah. So it, it, one of those yeah. situations, right? Mm -hmm. One of those, uh, news feeds are going across my phone and... You know, I think it might have been because somebody got shot or something, yeah. right? You got these horrible interactions between the police and the public. Yep. And on the island, you have brown people. Yeah. <laughs> you have m multiple shades of beautiful brown people. Uh -huh. But you have brown people looking into the eyes of other brown people. Yeah. You have brown people looking into the eyes of people who look exactly like them, whose ancestors used to own them. And... That's crazy it's to think common, about, actually. It's common knowledge. You know, that where do we come from? What's our history? Yeah. Uh, it's a very... So the country as a whole is a very humble, very they spiritual country. They, they embrace their history. They understand their history. Wow. They call England the motherland. <laughs> they understand who they are, where they came from, and where they're going. And you return to America, and white hates black. And of course, we know we're talking the extremes here. No, again, I got right? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you got... White hates black and black hates white. Black hates yeah. white and country folk hate the city folk yeah. and and it's all in your face. Yeah. 
when we have gone through the same kinds of situations here in the United States, and the wounds are so open, mm-hmm. but we're not willing to do what South what South Africa did, and sit down and say, "Hey, look, this is all wrong. We did this wrong. We are responsible for this. Yeah. This is who we are. This is the mistake we made. This is the history we carved out for our nation. Let us move forward together." Yeah. And it baffles me, and maybe you guys can help me with this, but we as a nation never address that. So you have the juxtaposition of being on the island where you have people who look exactly like you and treated you no differently than the people in America who were just of a different race. Yep. And here in America, a bigger, more progressive, first world country, we can't muster the intelligence to sit down, discuss this across the board, address it, and move forward as a nation for a positive goal. I honestly think that is the main difference, though, is that in St. Lucia, you know, they look like each other. Mm-hmm. It was, it's different here, you know? It was, they look different, and therefore, it's just this huge difference. At least I think there's a a, a bond or a uh, understanding, okay, these, it's just an understanding with in St. Lucia. Yes. Is, is my, is my gut feeling. I've never been there. Sure. But they, they kind of, understand each other and they're open to talking with each other and it's not oh you're better than me or i'm better than you or uh here i think it's a lot different yes and 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 don't get me wrong i i I completely understand humanity (laughs) i completely understand who we are i mean we're three gentlemen sitting here of of three different ethnicities in our backgrounds and you know there there are human i have i haven't completely given up on him no (laughs) you know it it's not a a Giving up on the country in which I was born, it's not a a writing off individuals and writing off humanity, but just as an observation, coming back from a vacation where you have this spiritual awakening and you feel so great that you've learned so much and embraced so much of your history, to return to the depressive, oppressive prejudices that we just fling across Facebook here in the nation. Yeah, or the, the facades of of the greatest nation in the world or the greatest place to be in the world. I think there's so many awesome places out there. (laughs) It's a very closed minded way to looking at things. Agreed. Agreed. I've been through Europe almost in every country in Europe. And I've been to, um, I've been to the middle East. I've been to Iraq. I've been to Iran and there's some beautiful people and just great. Like they invite you into your home to, to eat with them. The food tastes like (laughs) <laughs> but they're there, like, they'll, they'll let you, and you'll have diarrhea for weeks, but they invite you in, and they're so, like, nice. It's so different than what you hear, what you think, and what, it's still what home. you're told. Yeah. It's still I mean, home. It, it's it's super cool, man, to, to experience that. And I've never been to St. Lucia, but I hear the people are beautiful. Yes. Like, yes. they're just so, they're just so nice. There's a, <laughs> so, they're a parliamentary um, government. So they they basically run things like they do in the UK, but they're very spiritual. Uh, there's a wide breadth of uh, religion across the island, but they haven't. Is it, a, is it really like a pretty religious island? Like very much so. Really? Okay. Very much so. Uh, Catholicism being uh, the primary uh-huh. uh, religion, um, but there's a lot of the um, Protestant side too. Okay. Um, and it, evangelicals. Um, I, I believe didn't know that. there's there's like a one percent uh, ratio, one point uh, X percent ratio of uh, 
Rastafari as well. Okay. Uh, so there's there's a, a wide breadth there of... Well, that's I can get behind the Rastafari different. <laughs> <laughs> uh They're actually uh, working with the government to try to get um, marijuana laws lightened there. Uh, it's, I didn't realize it was a... Is it against the law there? It is against the law there. Huh, uh, I traveled okay. to the Dominican Republic uh, just in May, end of May this year. And in DR, it's also illegal. Very illegal. Yeah, but dude, I, you go to the DR and it's it's everywhere. Like, right. Nothing happens. Right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, like Vegas. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're not supposed to have it, but you're good. <laughs> but yeah, the people are, it's a, uh, emerge, it, it's a burgeoning economy. They're, they're really working hard to keep their, I, I'd call it a second, second world economy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of poverty there. Even the homeless are humble and polite. Yeah. Polite, almost to a fault. Uh, you see... Don't, uh, they, don't the homeless... And maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe we got sure. the country... Or, or the, the, you know, the country wrong. But is it... Do they... Don't they, like, go on their knees and they pr- put their hands in, like, prayer form? And they don't, like, beg like like other homeless people do or whatever? Is that there? Or maybe I'm thinking of somewhere No. Different. Um... No, not really. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> these guys are these guys are just kind of hanging out. <laughs> all right, gotcha. Okay, okay. All right. All yeah, right. there's 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 no kind of like there's no kind of like uh, customs or anything like you know any kind of like uh, style or okay. custom right. to the way in which they present themselves. Um, it, it's an island country, so if you need a place to stay, you can almost oh, stay geez, under any hut any... or any tree, roof or tree. Yeah, really. I I mean, and the rains pass so quick that it's almost it, there's nothing really inclement inclement about being there yeah so if you got a family member you can stay on their back porch or you know you stay with a, a relative or a family member uh-huh. so in a nutshell there's there's a fair amount of poverty there okay but well i know like the the labor rates and stuff like that what people are paid are, are very much different than what we are here in the u.s yes they are um i think isn't it like three twenty-five an hour, like minimum wage or something? I think that's about where it falls. Yeah. Uh, economically, I'm not a hundred percent sure on those okay. on those numbers. Yeah. Um, I do know that they're facing a three percent uh, unemployment rate. Uh, that's three percent of again one hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty thousand people. Yeah. So, uh, you're not looking at. I mean, you're you're looking at a. Yeah. Five thousand. Yeah. Five six thousand people. Um, that's based on a twenty seventeen census. Okay. Um, wow. Plus, what I've my uh, my cousin's husband is a tour guide part time, and those are numbers that he was also providing. Okay. Me. So that as of like twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the children uh, that walk. To and from school in the morning. Uh, bonjour, monsieur. Bonjour, monsieur. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, good, good afternoon, monsieur. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Everyone's polite. And they're able to when walk you, to school. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> they walk yeah, to school. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't do that here. The, jo- the joke's here. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, 20 miles uphill. Yeah. You know, both ways. Yeah. In the snow. Yeah. <laughs> With no shoes Barefoot. and your brother on your back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a hurricane. <laughs> in a hurricane. Um, they literally do walk uphill, you know, and, and there's uh, 
the St. Lucia News channel. They have a YouTube uh, channel as well. I watch them, and there's kids that walk to school with no shoes. That's cool. The, the kids that come from the come from the, the poor neighborhoods. Yeah, they they don't have anything. So yeah. you know there is poverty, um, but they're working diligently to resolve their social ills. They're addressing the unemployment. Uh, the, a lot of new programs are coming out this year that I've been keeping my eye on through their news sources. Um, they're working on unemployment. They're working on education of the young uh, to try and prevent the uh, the youth. Uh, birth rate from spiking as it has in the past. They're working on, oh, they're even working on things like food service and food health guidelines, mm-hmm. uh, things that aren't uh, as widely enforced across the island. So I got to ask you, man, like, obviously you're super passionate mm-hmm. about St. Lucia and your, your the history of St. Lucia and the history of your family. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Are you doing anything to, like, I don't know, like, like help or 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 like trying to get there as much as possible to to be around the culture or are you I mean you're definitely educating me and educating um people you know listening to this and Dave um I mean are you doing anything or wanting to do anything there's a serious desire to want to to do something um I don't necessarily have the means to help uh be more philanthropical okay however there's yeah but dude you're you're so you've got a technology background yes there's other ways you can help it does not all come down to money and i know you realize that yes definitely and, and so i mean i think there's some thought and some there had i know you've thought about this I over have. and over again how to get to that point yes of where i can because that's what really makes you happy i can tell just by I met you an hour ago, an hour and a half ago. <laughs> We've had a couple of drinks, and I already know this is like this is it for you, dude. Like this is what you should be doing. Yeah, I. I you're right about that. You're definitely yeah. right about that. And I have given it a an extremely long, heartfelt thought about what I can do more and um, what I can provide and mm-hmm. what I can help grow and foster. Um, with the size of my family, that is not far out of reach. Uh, because I have I have family in law enforcement, I have family in government, I have family um, that own shops and stores. Um, I have family that travel there two three times a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, you know the twelve hundred dollar trip that it would cost us. They're making two or three journeys a year. Yeah, so that is that. It's definitely something that I'm working toward. Okay, Good. I'm definitely working toward that because, as you mentioned, you know, with the technology background and having that knowledge. Having the knowledge of uh, process management, um, I've I've got something to offer. Yeah, I've definitely got a lot to offer for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about the island and where Dad comes from. All right. Well, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. See, we talked about those rabbit holes, right? We talked about those rabbit holes. So, um, you know, a couple other things uh, that I've done my research on you, and I want to know more about. <laughs> Uh, as you said, as you said, uh, this Illuminati and the, you know, the, the, the Freemasons, correct? Is, is that what they call is That's what they're called, correct? The Freemasons? They're called, it's the Freemasons. The Freemasons? Or it's Freemasons. Freemasons. Okay. So not like the Ohio State University. Not like the Ohio State gotcha. University. Right. We, I am a Freemason. And you hold, and I looked and I saw, um, there's a title and there's... I was really surprised what, 
what that was called. It's a little bit of history, but there's a title there. Yeah, and it's um, shoot, you're gonna have to remind me. I just remember looking at him like Past Master. Yeah, it sounded like something like a like it was called Past Master. I thought it was called something else. Well, there's Worshipful Master. Well, that's it. That's the one that I saw. Yes. So there's an evolution to being in the fraternity, as okay. with most fraternities. Uh, you start out. At, so you, it is a fraternity. It it's, is a fraternity. It's actually okay. the world's oldest. This is the one like. A lot of the presidents have been a part of and like yep a series of like very high profile decision makers and individuals throughout history okay globally okay uh the freemasons originally started lore says uh upon the persecution of the knights templar um they were persecuted they were tortured they were burned at the stake uh for basically betraying the catholic church so there is a historical rift apparently that i know nothing of other than lore uh, between the catholic church and the freemasons because of this historical battle um the living knights templar after the persecution scattered uh, some scattered to england some scattered to scotland they then the modern day freemasonry spun up as a byproduct of that scattering and persecution so this is what the assassin's creed is based off of right this is what this is yes exactly this is uh especially if you if you if you've played um assassin's creed 3 uh the one where you are the native american because he actually explores uh, some of old boston and goes underneath the uh the uh the uh, drains and and through the uh the underbelly of the city and finds markings uh, as well as some curiously familiar, and I'll leave it at that, um, plaques on the wall with uh, a list of certain rules and regulations that perhaps go along with Freemasonry. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's it's very curious the way that that game portrayed certain yeah. angles of history. Yeah. <laughs> Insert air quotes here. Insert air quotes here. Quotes here. <laughs> yes. So uh, Freemasons is a fraternity. Yes, the world's oldest fraternity. Um, and as I highlighted, their history uh, stems from the persecution of the Knights Templar. Um, so, uh, a bunch of Catholics are. No, no, not The Catholics, Catholics are mad. Yeah, Catholics are pissed. Catholics yeah, are pissed right. off. And so, historically. Why it, are they pissed off, though? Yes, exactly. I, I wanted to provide you with that. So, here's why. Okay, so it is. Per lore, and <laughs> that aside, they persecute and run off all the Knights Templar, kill most of them, burn them at the stake, treat them like witches, because the Catholics live behind a beautiful wall to keep the Moors out. And the Catholics have a shite ton of money. Oh, yeah. They're the, actually the largest landowners in the world. Yep. They got a little upset when their number one soldiers and escorts to those who are going on pilgrimage decide to start their own bank. Basically, as a individual going on pilgrimage, if you have 50 pieces of gold, they give you a voucher. And when you reach Mecca, you turn in the voucher, you get your 50 pieces of gold, minus a tax, you're free to go. You don't have to carry money, you don't have to worry about bandits, etc. Could that be the beginnings of where the Templar gold stories, the Templar treasure story started? Maybe, okay. maybe there were some corrupt Templars. Again, we're talking about humanity here. 
Maybe there were sects of Templars who decided that they wanted to have grand orgies with the town whores. Maybe there were there were parts there were individuals within the Templars who the decided they good old days the good old days sounds like college yeah. the good old days. <laughs> You know, maybe there were one individuals who felt they should skim a little bit more off the top of the riches of the individuals that they were okay. uh, securing and, and escorting. So we have the human element here. Uh, you also have spies, interlopers, cowans, individuals who blended in with the Templars and then would run back to the uh, Vatican and report back with embellished stories or whatever they wanted to manufacture. Yeah. You know, whatever fit the audience, right? And that's where it all started. Okay. It's just humanity against humanity. Just another form. So, uh, as it... Let's talk about today. Mm-hmm. What is... I mean, it's a fraternity, obviously, but yep. what is like the... the the I don't... I'm, I'm using the word mission. Yep. What's the goal? What's the purpose? Yeah, what's the purpose of being part of that fraternity? So, it... Essentially, one of the, the key values are the, the key value is to make good men better. Um, we're all human. Is that is that their motto? Uh, that is, you could call it that. Yes, okay. you could call it that. All it's right. one of our core values. Okay, is, is to make good. So men something better. that's that is constantly talked about. Exactly, okay. exactly, and that's what we work toward. Got you. Okay, uh, that's what we try to instill in new members. That's what we try to. Uh, we, we work with one another to coach new individuals and new members of the fraternity. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, we're going down a rabbit hole now. Oh yeah. Let's go. So when we you brought up membership, uh-huh. how does one become a member? I mean, it's, it's there. It's, it seems so secretive and it seems like it's not supposed to be something that is, uh, very public. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard like there's even mentors that mm-hmm. you work with to get membership and you have to go through a whole process. How does that work? Okay. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, we also have a motto, which is, to be one, ask one. Uh, to become a member, a member, an existing member, uh, will probably be somebody you're close to or a friend or a relative, and they will have observed you and know who you are and know you intimately and hang out with you and drink beer with you and go to family functions or work functions with you. So they've seen you out. They know who you are. You inquire with, with them about the fraternity and... It would just be as simple as them saying, sure, yeah, here's some information. Why don't you come to dinner with me on this night? Or, hey, I can introduce you to some gentlemen who can better fill you in because Mm -hmm. they themselves may not be a uh, well-knowledgeable individual in the fraternity and what transpires. So they might point you to another guy, another brother, quote-unquote, of the uh, fraternity. And uh, he then would introduce you to the fraternity uh, from that point, um, the best way, and so Freemasonry is in a flux right now, uh, like many fraternities, like many organizations that are out there. Uh, we're at a point where the new generations just aren't embracing what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's It's not cool and sexy. It's not cool and sexy. Uh, religion isn't cool and sexy. Um, the things that ground us spiritually or provide instruction in our lives outside of the traditional school and is colleges. It, is it religious based? Well, partially yes, partially yes. But at its root, it's just it, it's in flux right now. And I'll I'll um I'll I'll, I'll provide you with more info on that in okay, just a second. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go after, in, okay, down that rabbit cool. hole in just yeah, in, in right. just a moment. But so 
there are a lot of individuals who um, come into the fraternity but don't stay because it makes them uncomfortable or there's work, quote unquote, behind it, or there's something that demands you put in something to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So we're at a point where consolidations of lodges or new ideas are being introduced to try and grow the fraternity again. Uh, we're at a low point, and it's just the peaks and valleys of life. Well, I heard in Columbus, isn't there a couple places that are coming together? Or, or like, different? Yes. Okay. Uh, those are the consolidations I spoke on. Actually, yeah, yeah. my lodge is in the the midst of a consolidation. Okay, gotcha. Uh, we're, we're working with another uh, lodge to see if it's a fit for us and, and see if we're a fit for them. Okay. And if that works, which it should by all the basic fundamentals of what the fraternity stands yeah. for. The fraternity should be the first thing on, in the minds of the gentlemen that are part of it yeah. and are the active participants. So it, it should be something that we're all looking cool. toward. Okay. Uh, religion. So way back in uh, Templar times, well, just past Templar times when they're forming the first lodges and the guys are, are, are you know, drinking their brew uh, by candlelight, uh, discussing... Uh, Freemasonry and where it's going to go and where it's going, how it's going to evolve and what the laws, rules and edicts of it are. And then, you know, you have, boom, you have the birth of Freemasonry and history moves on. But they wanted to include all men of all denominations, uh, no matter your your creed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you must be a free man. So historically, Freemasons started with um, European individuals, mm -hmm. ethnically Europeans. Um, and it then, you know, permeated around the world, uh, but it was still the Europeans leading. And then we come historically forward uh, to the United States. But they, and, and we'll get more into the United States and how it evolved in the United States and how it divided. Um, but Freemasonry at its root aimed to embrace all religious backgrounds. So they aimed to, to embrace uh, all religions of the world, but there are jurisdictional div divisions and there are regional divisions and nation divisions mm -hmm. uh, under which well, different cultures and different areas cultures. are going to have different yes. beliefs. And so it's just natural for that. Ex exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, just, you know, humans and the globalism of, yeah. of, of an ideal. So the rights, what is uh, executed during a meeting is executed in front of an altar that has a religious book upon it. The religious book will be the religious book of those assembled. Modern day Freemasonry. If you're at a modern, modern day lodge, you will have the Quran. If there's a Muslim member, you will have the Jewish book of worship. Forgive me. I Torah. Torah. You will have the Holy Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, based on the members that are present therein. The religious side of Freemasonry comes from the base values of how you treat other individuals how you conduct yourself okay okay so using are there individuals that aren't religious in the freemasons there are individuals who are more in tune with being agnostic okay the profession of believing in a higher being and yeah. something bigger than you that's what we look for Okay. We because there's always something bigger than you, and if you can humble yourself on that basic idea, you can humble yourself before the lessons that you'll learn. You'll be more receptive to understand 
that there's a bigger message here. Okay. A lot of the teachings are in alignment with what we know as religious right. So let's go into, uh, I want to, because you brought up teachings. Sure. So there's, there's teachings? <laughs> right. And <laughs> question yeah. mark? Like, whoa. Yeah, there are. There are. Um, in the state of Ohio, I'm not permitted to go in deeper into what those actual teachings are. He's taken over the world. But they're <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, if we can make the world a better place yeah. by making the guys better through this fraternity. No, no, you know, I, get I, mean, it. Hey, I get it. There it is, right? Yeah. You know, there's us taking over the world. Yeah. Who's going to object to that, though, if you really know right. what we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, and idealistically, as a, a member of a college fraternity um, and an advisor for one here at OSU, if you strip out the religious element, there's almost nothing different between Freemasonry and my college fraternity. It's there to make people better, to so give them is, an opportunity. This is where I have a hard time, because I'm not religious whatsoever. And um, I'm just curious of why there is a... Um, and I know how a lot of it has to do with tradition, probably. Um, but why there is a... Or why there is a need or... Or I imagine there's some kind of vetting process of someone being part of this fraternity mm -hmm. that they have to prove some kind of religion or agnostic or, or being able open. I don't know. I'm open-minded to religions and sure. open-minded for people, but I imagine I would not be a candidate that fraternity would look at. There's questions that can be asked and there's individuals that can work with you to kind of yeah. get a better feel. Okay. Uh, myself, I'm a counselor. I can, I can be appointed as a counselor. For sure. And, and you know, uh, so... Okay, pr process, uh -huh. process, okay. To be a Freemason, uh, you first ask someone. Then uh -huh. they say, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, man, come on, come on, come with us. You know, you can come to this meeting on this day, but you can't go into the meeting room, but you can hang out with us and have dinner, and then, you know, the guys can get to know you, and then if they like you, we're, or, or, you know, after that, you know, they'll set up a time where they can come to your home uh -huh. and visit you and talk to the wife and meet the baby and get to know you. And if she has any concerns, because we'll be borrowing your time about four to five hours twice a month. Mm -hmm. So as long as she's cool with it and she's cool with the idea that you're going to hang out with cool guys and, you know, a bunch of old dudes, then, you know, you're in. Yeah. There's no problems. And if she has any questions, exactly like your, your question about the spirituality, yep. uh, we can answer those at that point in time. Yeah. After that point, uh, there's some money exchange because, you know, everybody's got to pay dues. Yep. And then you become an initiate. And entered apprentice, which is the first level. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, rewinding back, during the home visitation, there's just a simple question. Do you believe in a higher power? That's the base of what we consider the faith and the humbling of yourself. Okay. Believing in a higher power. Um, <clears throat> that could be looked at in multiple different ways. It could be a bowl of spaghetti in the sky. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than you. I believe in it. Yeah. You're in there. So weird <sighs> to me. It's, uh, That's just so weird to me. <sighs> And maybe it's because I'm not really... I grew up Catholic. Sure. And, and, and I'm not religious at all whatsoever. Like, I... I You're not... I feel it brings out sometimes the worst in people. And uh, I, I definitely agree with making yourself a better person. Sure. And I agree with making everyone around you better people and a better community to live in. Mm -hmm. And a better world in, you know, the overall aspect of, of things. Uh -huh. But I don't believe that uh, you should have to believe in something to do that. And I completely understand that thought process. And especially since if, if the whole goal is to be a better man, make be or better, 
what's the that's right be a better make a man. good man better make, make be a, a better good man. man better yeah. right yeah i don't feel i need religion to do that it's more being around people like yourself that have experienced different things than i have yes. and i can i can learn from you yes. i can learn from the people around me and then integrate that into my life and other people around me yes but, but what if that is the greater the the greater component i i totally agree with that but if that's, that's a higher a, power, I don't think no, that... not a higher power. That's then a, a uh, something larger than yourself. Okay, I can get behind that. That's if, And that's the that, main piece. That's the question. Is that's, that the question that's asked? Do you believe in something larger than yourself? Yes. Okay. Okay. I understand that. I automatically go to, you got to believe in God, right? Or something like that. God holds many forms. Okay. It's just a word with a capital G. Yeah, I know. I just hate that word. <laughs> It's just a word with a capital G. I got you. Okay. So, you know. All right. All right. Well, we're on the same page. I got you. Yeah. I get it. Um, It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. I get it. Exactly. Okay. 2K429. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So, um, taking that perspective, uh, professing your faith in a higher being, God, Mm -hmm. um, you're now eligible. No felonies? No. No felonies. No. No, You're you're Yeah. You're an official kind of guy. Yeah, okay. Um, so no felonies. Uh, and have you uh, uh, have you petitioned another lodge of Freemasons? No. There you go. Because if you petition another lodge of Freemasons, you're trying to be a Mason at my lodge. I'm going to have to go talk to the other lodge, find out why. Yeah. Uh, so you're not a Mason at that lodge, gotcha. but you want to be in my lodge. Right. What did they find out? Right. Okay. So that's the home visitation in a nutshell today okay. in today's world. Back in the I didn't day, realize it did a home visitation. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Kind of legit interview right very much very much so so back in the day though they'd ask your neighbors hey how's this guy smaller communities Mm -hmm. right go to your job maybe know somebody from your job maybe it's almost like applying a job with the feds they go and visit your family background check it's a background check yep okay but you know historically in the past it was a more thorough insight into the individual so these days we're playing against the human element more because we don't do that as much. Yeah. Uh, there probably are some jurisdictions. I think there may even be some lodges within central Ohio that do uh, go the extra mile and run a background check and try to go through all the databases and whatnot sure. to find out if the individuals are corrupt and have done all kinds of crimes. But it's not a practice as a whole and it's not a requirement by the Grand Lodge of Ohio. Okay. Um, moving forward. So we're going to go... Actually, excuse me. We're going to take a step back again through history. So now we have... Um, we're now in colonial times. We're now in the late 1600s, early 1700s. Uh, explorers are, are striking out across the ocean. They land on the shores of America. Pilgrims, Indians, Thanksgiving, yay. And now we have, uh, 1774 and a half coming up and things are heating up between the United States and Great Britain and redcoats are all over the place and we are trying to establish who we are as colony and there's the back and forward politics going on and Ben Franklin traveling from here to there and making good with the French because he knows something's going to go down with the British. We now have Freemasonry in the United States. It followed the, all these guys over. We're going to now time jump again. Remember that show quantum leap? Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quantum leap gotcha. now to the civil war in the United States. I got one question. Okay. We're going to stop. Yep. We're going to stop. Where where does the word Freemason come from? What does that really mean? So within the... It's such a weird like... Yes. It, it is. It's, in and of itself, if you break it down, you have the word free and yeah. you have the word Mason. Yeah. So you're, you're a, 
a free individual who works on houses. You're a free individual who works with bricks and <laughs> yeah. sidewalks. I'm sure it's, it means something like that. It does. Yeah, okay. So I, everything yeah. within the fraternity is built on allegory. Okay. Like many fraternities. Uh-huh. So there's an allegory there somewhere, and there's an allegorical story behind masonry. So you have to be a free man who practices masonry. Masonry is the art of building okay. and refining and fine-tuning the stones yeah, makes... in the quarry. Yep. So you're taking a rough stone, making it smooth. Yep. You're taking a rough human being, a good man, making yep. him better. Gotcha. Okay. All right? Good. So uh, freeborn mason. All right. Cool. So you got... Uh, okay, so unpause. Yep. Now we've got 1776 time, or no, excuse me, fast forward, Civil War time, mm-hmm. and you've got North and South, you've got the white guys, the black guys, uh, everybody's fighting, everybody's trying to defend themselves, everybody's trying to work for one another, and you have this gentleman, and forgive me because I'm not 100% historically accurate on this part, but I can tell you the gist. You have a black gentleman uh, by the name of Prince Hall. He is a uh, veteran of the Civil War. Dresses in a lot of purple. He dresses in a lot of, not yet. Okay. Not yet. So, so before he starts dressing in a lot of purple. That's <laughs> a, a different prince, but he does wear purple okay. eventually. <laughs> so you've got a gentleman by the name of Prince Hall. And he saw that he fought by the side of the white guys. And he did everything the white guys did. And he had his own group of soldiers. His own unit of soldiers or a bunch of black dudes. And they were good soldiers. And they fought. And they did what they had to do to help win the war. And he's like, hey, wait, you white guys get to go off and go to a special secret meeting. And I know that you guys are doing this. And there's all kinds of things that you're learning and making you guys uh, the popular guys and the guys that are the senators and the mayors and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the affluent ones of the neighborhoods. We want to do that, too. We're good men. We want something better for ourselves. And they're like, cool, separate but equal. Go over there. (laughs) <laughs> <We're> go- <laughs> Here, here's a book this is how we do it uh, be gone so don't talk to me don't again. talk to me again <laughs> so prince hall masonry in the united states stemmed from came from that uh, prince hall gained the political power and the affluence to speak with the white masons the white masons then went to the Grand Lodge of England and said, there's a dude over here that wants to do it for the black folks. Is this okay? Grand Lodge of England said, yeah, sure, whatever. And they wrote a little dispensation charter and said, Prince Hall Masonry can now, from this point forth, be celebrated and practiced within the United States, but you can never merge with the white guys. That was good enough. Separate but equal. It gave them something, a base. Mm-hmm. So Prince Hall Masonry, the black side of the fraternity started in the united states free and accepted masonry free again right free and accepted masonry was the companion piece it was the white side of the fraternity so if you go down south you'll probably find a whole lot of masonic lodges cool great and wonderful but i wouldn't be invited Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be allowed in the doors uh there's places southern ohio i wouldn't be allowed to go in yeah Uh, that's just the way that that's what masonic temples are that's what Masonic temples Get are. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's what a temple is. There was a, is a lodge. I, okay, there was a Masonic temple in my hometown. Yeah. like So there were probably guys down the street that you didn't even know were, yeah. were Masons. Ah. Yes, that's, that's what the Masonic temples are. That's what the lodges are. Yeah, so okay. every time you see the square and compasses with yep, the G in the yep, middle. Yep, yep. Yep. I just didn't realize. It just hit me. Yep. That that's what that was. Yep. Okay. Yep, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And they're typically one of the most ornate buildings in the downtown areas of more... Uh, established towns. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. 
Prince Hall Masonry, Free and Accepted Masonry, uh, Fast Forward Time. So today's world, where are we, right? Um, Prince Hall Masonry still exists. Free and Accepted Masonry still exists. But they have yet to work together to try and quell the historical Mm -hmm. ills. Okay. Um, If you are a Prince Hall Mason and you decide that you want to leave your demit from your Prince Hall Lodge and go over to a Free and Accepted Lodge, you can... But you have to go through all the rights all over again. Uh, the rights being uh, the levels of initiation. Uh, the entered apprentice, the fellow craft, and then the master mason. Are they the same in both groups? They are the same. In, they are the same labels. The ritual is different, which is the, the ceremonies or the bad plays. Mm-hmm. The lessons. <laughs> bad lessons. Okay, gotcha. Badly executed lessons okay. by your common man. That isn't quite as polished as he should be. All right. In <laughs> uh, in most cases, it's a very beautiful ritual. It, it actually is a very beautiful ritual. But um, you would have to go and be initiated through the three ranks all over again to become a, a master mason again, because of the jurisdictional split between the races and the different pieces of the fraternity. So weird. It is weird. It is weird, and it's actually quite unnecessary because at this point in time, both Prince Hall and Free and Accepted are both. Prince Halls are free and accepted as well, but I'm using that as the as the you. label to show you. the differentiation. Yeah. Um, they're called free and accepted as well. It's just free and accepted Prince Hall, and then it's free and accepted Masons. So we'll call Prince Hall or free and accepted. Um, so on the free and accepted side, both sides are struggling right now. Old guys are getting older, they're, and the new guys aren't coming in to replace those the ranks. Mm-hmm. And the problem is this. Everything that you said to me at the beginning of this conversation when we started talking about Freemasonry is exactly what the problem is. It's so secretive. What is it? Tell me more. That's the problem. Not enough individuals are willing to find guys and recommend that they be part of something better. Mm -hmm. And it was especially lost after the World War II generation because the fathers came back bitter from war, came back damaged from war, came back shell-shocked from war, had the camaraderie that they had built with with the individuals in their units and within their divisions of the of the, the uh, military forces. They were not, they wanted to find that and, and, and harness that and hold on to that. It wasn't that they were not going to come back, get a blue-collar job, go home every night and be with the wife and kids and be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So Freemasonry fits for the military to a great degree. The camaraderie, the brotherhood, it's all there yeah, for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So these guys came back. They they fell into lodges. The lodges were built up. There was just this thriving. It, it was just one of the pinnacles of Freemasonry in the United States. All these guys coming back to all these different different cities and states and, and jurisdictions. And they just... they exploded the 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 uh fraternity exploded but and if i could be so crass these selfish bastards they didn't invite their kids they didn't invite their children and because of that the fraternity's dying it's struggling it's struggling it, it most likely will never die but it's struggling to a great degree yeah is a secretive part i mean that's part of it though right it's, it's like a, that's that's almost to get people you know, and I know I'm totally wrong for saying this, but it's almost a marketing type thing. Like, oh, if you're so interested, it's it, come I mean, see what we can do. See what we see what we got for you. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I look at it kind of like that a little bit. It makes it hard to approach. I mean, it's just it just seems like a I don't know. It's it's Baramansky. just a, no, no. I don't look at it that way. <laughs> but I mean, there's just, there's just 
they're so like, like pyramid with an eye there's so the idea of it is is so far i mean i'm a little drunk boys <laughs> a little bit <laughs> no it's it's so, so um like you know you've got the far right and the far left this is this is an idea of 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 something that's so wild it's I, new. I think I, it's well i think people just blow it up bigger than what it's a big unknown it's a big unknown. Yeah. And you're right. People do... Br- okay, so here's a story for you. Because I, I think the... Imagine, the- imagine Colonial Day, America, horse-drawn carriage, horse-drawn buggies, right? Uh, horses galloping down the street. Um, the average individual is going down to the river for water or the well in the center of town for water. Mm-hmm. Your husband walks out the house and doesn't tell you anything. Suddenly, you see a horse roll by and it's the guy that's the, 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 the uh, town doctor. Where's the town doctor going? My husband just went in that same direction. So down the street where these guys are meeting in the basement of the church or attic of the church mm-hmm. or attic of the local pub, you got a little candlelight going on and you got the, the, the bar owner telling the wives or, or telling a, another local guy, yeah, we got four or five guys up there. Uh, they just had to keep quiet and they paid me a couple bucks. And mm-hmm. uh, You know, what are they doing? I don't have an education. I don't know what these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. I don't hang out with the town doctor. I'm just a farmer. I don't know anything. So I'm going to start a rumor. I'm going to start a story. And I don't like what they're doing. Yeah. That's how it all starts. And that's how it all started. Yeah. You have the most affluent, most educated individuals who are learned. Multiple languages. Latin. Things we don't even care about these days. Mm-hmm. These individuals struggled and, and s- strived for this their whole lives. And now they're in this secret place doing secret stuff by candlelight in the middle of the night, and Jim Bob Farmer guy is supposed to understand that. Mm-hmm. No, no, not right. really. Animosities get built. Rumors get told. Ooh. Who knows what they're doing? The politicians are against us. The government's against us. Illuminati, Illuminati, Illuminati. Right. Because the common man just doesn't understand or doesn't know. Yeah. So it's that obfuscation op- of the, the fraternity that Is has... there an education aspect of, of the Freemasons? There is. Okay. There is. There's an educational side to it. I mean, there. See that. That's what kind of gets me. Like, it's a bunch of smart people again in a room, mm-hmm. and uh, for the most part. Well, yeah. <laughs> if all goes they're well, they're talking. If I, all goes well, I and I think it's just them. When that happens, people begin to worry and begin to think like, "Holy shit!" There's a bunch of physicists, or there's a bunch of like just really smart people all in one room talking. What are they talking about? Yep. So we hold our 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 meetings for the purpose of business. We are. So let's a, talk about business. What is business? So we're a nonprofit. We support the the Special Olympics. That's our number one. The Special Olympics in the Grand Lodge of Ohio, which supports a nursing home and a hospital and a, a care facility. So there are other philanthropical deeds that come from me paying my seventy two ninety five a year. Yeah. Yeah, and those are the core goals and 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 uh, 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 organizations that the the Grand Lodge of Ohio supports. How come people don't know that? I don't. People I've, should know that. What's funny that, is that up until like this something you should talk about. Up until this podcast, three hundred sixty-five days ago, no one ever asked me. Really? Not even family members. Huh? People don't ask. People talk, but they don't communicate, right? Yeah. So I feel like so, it, and this is just me speaking. If if you're wanting to get more members. Mm-hmm. People want to do good. I honestly believe that people mm-hmm. want to do and better them, better, better the community they live in. I really deep down believe that. And I mean, 
being a a doing the stuff with the 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 special olympics and things like that that stuff should be publicly discussed yep to get more members to get more people interested and to get you know it's not just some big secret no man we got a freaking purpose here like yep we're really helping helping people this is a true thing yep it's a real thing i agree I agree, but there's still that World War II dad mentality, uh, very much like the mentality of the uh, what we call our political system of today. Do you think it'll evolve? Uh, there was a case study, more of like a focus group done. Uh, they called it the under forty group. Mm-hmm. I was unfortunately I become I just turned forty at the time that that took place. Bunch of old guys. Bunch of old guys. <laughs> um, I just turned forty at the time, so. I wasn't eligible to participate, but I got the feedback and the the uh, minutes, more or less, of, of what came out of that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of great ideas like that were generated. The problem is how they're going to be executed. Yeah. And I, I kind of I kind of said this a few moments ago, kind of tongue in cheek, but you still we still have that World War Two mentality. Uh uh, dare I say they're just still the same old farts in a lot of places of administration in the fraternity mm-hmm. that unfortunately are probably a big hindrance. Yeah. And that's unfortunate and it very well might be to the detriment of the fraternity. Yeah. I I love the fraternity. I love the fact that it filled it's difficult to say this because I'm crossing a line here, but it filled in a place for me more spiritually than I felt I was receiving at this point from any religious body. What do you mean you're crossing a line? Uh, because there are a lot of individuals who uh, hold religion as in, in a reverent okay, manner. Okay, I get you. Okay. You know what I mean? It's the pinnacle. It, it's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle of life. And, and for my family, to a great degree, I, I may be a bit of an outlier. Uh, because my family, you know, as we spoke on before, like, you know, the guy, the, the, the family on the island, they're, they're very, very humble, very, very spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get daily devotionals from my, my auntie every day on WhatsApp. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are very, very relevant to just struggles, mm-hmm. day-to-day struggles. A lot of them are overpoweringly religious. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm not as in tune as many people okay. are in, from a spiritual, yep, yep. in a spiritual manner, uh, using religion as that crutch, as that base, right? Okay. Um, so for me, Freemasonry and what it stands for and the uh, potential that I could rise to within the fraternity uh, became a substitute, became what I embraced. Um, I joined the fraternity in 2006, 2007. <laughs> yeah, I had to look at my ring. Uh, 2006, 2007. Uh I joined the free and accepted Masons. I didn't join the Prince Hall Mason. Uh, I met a gentleman working at, I was working at a uh, call center and I was a floor walker, manager, supervisor guy that tells you get off the phone. And I'm walking around and I went by this one guy's desk and wasn't on the phone. He was on Wikipedia. And <laughs> he's like, he's like an old Colonel Sanders looking guy and he's got the twisty waxed mustache, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'm, He's got his bifocals on. And he's sitting there staring at a web page on Wikipedia for the Knights Templar. I'm supposed to be like the floor walker guy. So I looked at his phone. I saw he's on break. Didn't worry about it. And then I asked him. I said, you're looking at... I was like, are you researching the Knights Templar? 
I was like, are you a Nicolas Cage fan? You know, National Treasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was like, well, I am a Knights Templar. Wait, 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 what? You're a Knights Templar. Like, how is that possible? Like, how is that possible? Yeah. Oh, stop by and talk to me sometime at lunchtime. Okay. And then I looked at the wall and I was like, wait. I was like, that's Freemason symbol. And he was like, I'm a Freemason. He's like, you're a Knights Templar and a Freemason. I was like, yeah, I got to talk to you at lunch. Anyway, weeks pass, whatever. We start hanging out. We start talking. So me and funny mustache dude, me being... Me being a little bit of a history buff, uh, him being the funny mustache guy with information, I started picking his brain. Come to find out he is a Freemason, and he belongs to a lodge in Whitehall. And that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes from my home. Mm -hmm. So, okay, well, this is cool. Well, come to dinner with us one time. All right, no problem. So I ended up going to dinner. I ended up becoming a member. I ended up becoming, going through the ranks as an inter-apprentice, fellow craft, and then a master mason. And then I went through the stations of being an officer um for a short point in time i thought i was going to move out of state so i told them i'm going to have to decline from taking the next year next position and that was kind of heartbreaking for me because i started to find something that was really cool and these Mm -hmm. guys embraced me and they were looking for me to be their line of secession and they embraced that and they embraced the fact that i was attentive and i cared and everything that i did for the fraternity i did with my heart they recognize that. So I ended up staying in Ohio, and I ended up moving the rest of the way through the ranks. It's a seven-year obligation. There are seven chairs, and I uh, became the first chocolate, I don't know, African-American. <laughs> I, I guess you could say African-American. I don't know. West Indian-American. <laughs> it's still chocolate. We'll go with chocolate. First chocolate guy to sit up there and be in charge. Um, Milk chocolate. Milk, Milk chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> a dark rule. A very dark rule. <laughs> Caramel. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, uh, I, I, historically, I became the first black man to sit as the master of the lodge. Huh. Uh, after being master, once your year is over, get out of the way. You're a past master now. Oh, really? Yeah, throw, you to the, throw you to the wolves. Is that no. really what happens? Yeah. If, after your first year, it's a one-year term. Oh, okay. uh, Each chair is essentially a one-year term. Uh, it is not a... It is not necessarily a line of progression, uh, but more based on a vote and what is good for the lodge. However, we have one of those, we have a lodge that is so small, uh, on the average attendance, 12 to 15 members, um, that includes our seven officers. So actually there's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, there's 12 officers, there's 12 individuals of the 12 or 15 that would be there that okay. are sitting in chairs of that are sitting in office chairs or in positions Mm -hmm. um, within the lodge. So um, after you become a worshipful master, you uh, then serve the lodge as a trustee. Uh, The expectation is that you remain within the lodge and become its keel. It's, it's the wind in the sails and you help the newer members and you keep the core values of the lodge in the forefront and the snickering and giggles and bickering off on the sidelines and chitter chatter that you hear, you know, sh- hey, the other guys that are the law, they're the guys that keep everything balanced and, and try to keep everyone focused and engaged and keep the life of the lodge. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's eight years of work. It's eight years of volunteerism. A lot of guys just don't have it in them to return. Yeah. And that's another reason why in a lot of cases our fraternity struggling. Um, but I uh, left the East, which is the position of leadership. And I basically slid to the left. So I am now secretary. The secretary sits on the left-hand side of the master. Uh, on the right-hand side is the treasurer. I'm one of two of the driving forces behind the master. Okay. Because 
I'm the one that sends out his letters. I'm the one that, that handles all his business like a secretary would. I'm also the one that receives all communications that aren't directly addressed to him. So basically, I handle the ebb and flow of that perspective. Uh, the treasurer handles all the money and everything that comes through me. So mm -hmm. I document it. He gets all the money. Okay. And then he deposits it and does the treasury gotcha. things. Okay. So in a nutshell, that's the fraternity. Um, it's allegory based on a, a religious background to make good men better. There's plenty to be curious about. There are plenty of questions that I have to this day about the rights and uh, bad drama plays that I went through to be a member and I continue to watch. And there are innumerable books and writings and scriptures and uh, historical references that come from our fraternity that would blow the average man's mind. Uh, we're going all the way back to like the Babylonians and, mm -hmm. you know, the beginnings of civilization and where what we call religion today actually, well, <sighs> some say actually derived from <laughs> <laughs> other human stories gotcha. because they're books written by humans. Yeah. But so uh, that aside, there are, there's a lot of, a lot of Freemason, a lot about Freemasonry that still keeps one curious and still keeps me wanting and still keeps the average engaged Freemason wanting. It's draining on somebody if you're not 100% all in. It can be. I, that's and that's where part of the... That's the, That's where the deterrent comes yeah, from, too. Okay. You know, it's like, yeah, man, you know, you put me in my pajamas, in the pajamas for a couple times and I swore on the Bible and I, I'm done. Yeah. So, okay, but you're not. Yeah. So, the average sheep isn't going to embrace all that yeah. isn't going to want more or seek out more history or seek out more reading or gotcha. seek out going to um traveling educational programs you know programs to travel around the united states or around the district and, and share education and um try to build more uh, build a better picture and more camaraderie among the ranks yeah. through okay. that through those methods so there's there's an evolution that's going to be taking place and is in the midst we're in the midst of take that it, we're in the midst of it taking place but it's going to take time as most things do we're in a low point as far as the fraternity is concerned it happens to all kinds of groups you can only go up you can only go up yeah so cool very cool actually um, <clears throat> coming from a background of a college fraternity not to thread jack too much but i'm absolutely amazed at how much um commonality there is between my college fraternity and freemasonry minus the spiritual element mm -hmm. other than that the goals are almost identical we support the osu our motto is the helping hand so it, there, there's so much in common that there isn't much of a the, my sense of wonder is gone yeah let's put it that way <laughs> because like yeah duh next right right and and, and that's also probably too because you've been exposed you've been through it Mm -hmm. um, at, at its core, right? Yeah. Um, fun fact. Uh, uh, help me out here. Uh, the guy who started the Church of Mormon. Not the first guy, the second John, guy. John Smith? John or, Smith. No, no. It's, no. Uh, uh, it's something Smith. It's Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Is it Joseph Smith? <laughs> Joseph Smith. So, uh, he's... <laughs> He, we're going to get so much hate mail for this. No, I'm sorry. I just listened to so... Like, I, I just... Oh, what is that freaking show that talks about Joseph, uh, Joseph Smith? I think it is Family Guy or something, and it's like a whole episode. Oh, well, they did Church of Mormon. South Park, maybe. 
South Park probably. Yeah. And then you have, know. you know, they, they did Church of Mormon. You know, you got Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Blame Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, wrong episode. Yeah. It's, or Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon. Yeah. So, fun fact. He was a Freemason. And uh, from what I understand and what I've heard, uh, if you want to be like a higher up uh, priest, dignitary, whatever it is in that religion, uh, you have to go through certain rites and rituals and... Well, he was a Freemason, and, well, where else am I going to get rites and rituals from? But, oh, oh, look, uh, Freemasonry. And so there's, like, this weird blend of whatever the Mormon rite is and Freemasonry, where apparently, like, people who may be a Freemason and then become a Mormon are like, wait, what? Like, this is our shit. Yeah, but the pro... Maybe a little, but, dude, but that, that's... (laughs) That, that belief system is a little out there. Well... Yeah. I mean, uh, anyways, we're not going to go there. I'm not there. going down that rabbit hole. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, okay. I've got some... Yeah. Take your foot What's the safe word? I'm done. Take I'm your done. foot off the landmine. Step away. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Sorry. I'm stepping away from that landmine, man. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the, yeah, like the Mormon religion, there's, there's like a certain rites and rituals within it that uh, very much mirror uh, certain parts of Freemasonry. Uh, I went, uh, as one of our public outreach pieces, we go down to the federal courthouse downtown uh, once a year, usually in March, and we witness the swearing in of citizens uh, through the naturalizations, during the naturalization ceremonies. I'm a 100% behind this. I love it to my core because my father was naturalized on the battlefield. So we're going to segue. Let me tell you this awesome story. On the battlefield, in the heat of battle, they come out of the the bush, and they're you know they're like on a beach type situation, and they can look out on uh, uh, whatever the little bay is or whatever in Vietnam. And he remembers he always talks about it. Uh, I just can't remember what the name of it is. And he sees all the warships out there, and and planes and choppers are flying overhead, and all of a sudden, like a bigwig comes out of the bush, and he's like, "Rosary, report to the." station immediately and he's like but my guys are here report to the station immediately rosary blah 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 so rosary goes to the station and the guy goes you've been doing good work you're an awesome soldier here's your citizenship papers boom and he's like okay salute uh well um my guys are dying can can go back to work and that's how my dad became a citizen wow (laughs) wow so you go through like you go to the naturalization like well, ceremonies or well, uh, citizens who go through the process mm-hmm. go through an entire testing phase. Oh, my wife did it. Yeah, okay. because she didn't become a citizen by marriage. Yep, she waited yep. and for a while, and then she went through the classes and exactly. all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's the typical oh, okay. right way of doing it. Okay. Not, not sneaking in the back of someone's truck across uh. the board. I mean, I mean, um. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> landmine, landmine, landmine. Sorry, landmine. <laughs> Step away. Stepping away. Um, so yeah, uh, very cool story. Uh, he did it the right way. He became a citizen through fighting in Vietnam, and I support that. I mm-hmm. support individuals who do it the right way. Yeah. So those exactly as, as your wife did it. Yeah. I may have uh, how long ago? Well, that was years ago. No, so, it wasn't that long ago. It was we've been married for eleven years. She did it eight eight years ago. That, that's a little bit before my time. Okay. That's a little bit before my time. Uh, I just started going to this, the citizenship, our citizenship day, the naturalization ceremonies, um, four years ago. Okay. Four years ago, I became 
more engaged. Yeah. Uh, there was a core of a group of gentlemen that would go, and it just didn't seem like I, I just didn't engage myself mm-hmm. in that aspect of it, of the fraternity. Uh, and now I'm kind of like fostering the effort myself, and I, I think it's a great effort. Um, I congratulate and salute and appreciate the individuals that actually do that the right mm-hmm. way. It, it's the way it should be done. Yeah, it's the way it should be done. I, I, I definitely stand on that. Um, so. Yeah, that's just a, another little piece of community outreach. Well, very cool, man. I, uh, Dave, um, do you have anything else to add? If if not, we can. Not not particularly. We're up to uh, another hour. Yeah, and you worried about? I know you you worried about uh getting what forty minutes or something. Yeah. Nah, dude, this is cool. Like this is the way it should be. I, again, I really appreciate being on the podcast, and uh, we will do this again. I would love to come back and I'd love to share more stories and uh, more about just personal passions and life and uh, the way I, I personally view life. Yeah. I hope I can uh, I can share a little bit of knowledge with you guys in the audience and uh, hopefully uh, enlighten some individuals or, or bring uh, a little positivity and, and thought to their lives. For sure. For sure. Getting away from the nine to five, man. <laughs> Getting away from the nine to five. You do what you got to do. But <laughs> when it's your time, it's your time and you want to spend it the right way. Exactly. Don't so, die at your desk. Yep. That's our motto. Hashtag don't die at the desk. Don't die at the desk. I love it. Yeah. So cool. Take care, everybody. All right. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining us on not the nine to five. Uh, we'll be here again for the next episode. Hashtag don't die at the desk. Don't die at your desk. Find out what you're passionate about. Go out and do it. Um, yeah. Last thing you're going to do on your deathbed is say, I wish I'd gone to the office and worked more. That's what I'm going to be saying. Uh, No, no, you're not. (laughs) I know I'm not either. (laughs) And thanks everybody for listening. Take care. (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) We and then for two minutes, man. <laughs> okay, best two minute bloopers. Yeah, the, the, I just deleted them though. The, oh, B, okay. the B roll, <laughs> B roll, awesome. Audio B roll, audio B roll. Um, like, that's like bees buzzing, or you know, elevators whirring.